Rinkrats, and welcome back to another Blackhawks Rinkcast. I'm your host, Andy Campbell, and we are in Season 5, Episode 4. Is it time to panic? Oh my goodness, did we really think we were going to be here uh, a short week ago leading into the Blackhawks season? Um, with me is The Bard, Andrew's here, Shawnee Fitzgerald, and Eric Andrews. So this quad yet again is going to run you through what's going on with the Hawks. And boy, oh boy, we wish we had good news for you. Unfortunately, this one might be a little bit of a venting session, but the group therapy session we're about to embark on will be helpful to all of us. And we're very excited for it. Speaking of which, if you're interested in some rink gear, uh, go to www. Uh, puck hockey, and it's spelled differently. That's P U C K C K H C K Y.com. It's going across the ticker right now. Use discount code the rink for 10% off. You get a if you buy a hundred dollars worth of swag, you get a free t shirt. Please go check out the rink where it's where. And in addition, please go to the rink.com to see all of our latest game recaps and analysis on the once proud franchise the Chicago Blackhawks, and there's some good stuff on there in the Colorado Avalanche as well as the Seattle Kraken. As I mentioned, uh, the quad that is here. Bard, how are we doing tonight? You're muted. You're muted. Uh, hey, Josh Bard, you're muted. <laughs> Shawnee. Oh, sorry. That's, I, you know, I always worry that about that one. That happens. Um, yeah, no, doing okay. Hanging in there. Awesome. You're working well, that mute button like uh, Josh Bard was catching the knuckleball. Not good. <laughs> Not bad. Lost cousin. Yeah. And Sean Fitzgerald here again, uh, the legend, uh, with a strong hat game. I appreciate his look tonight as well. What do you got going for us, Shawnee? I've got the gray Boston strong hat made by the 47 brand. Awesome. Um, these came out uh, after the incident at the Boston Marathon, um, Boston Pride. Um, my dad's a big supporter of things like that. So we all got Boston strong hats and I am a huge Kyle Schwarber fan. Oh yeah. Uh, the first Jersey I ever bought my wife was a Kyle Schwarber Cubs Jersey. So rooting for the Red Sox hard in the series. So there you go. Happy like to be it. here to talk about Blackhawks hockey though. I like it. I like it as a mass as a current Massachusetts resident. I also own that hat was here for the bombing and, uh, really appreciate that. Look, uh, our content editor and uh, director of the Chicago chapter, Eric Andrews. How are we doing tonight? Doing better than the Blackhawks are. There we go. There we go. Yep. That was an easy, that was a layup. <laughs> so folks, as we talked about, uh, this is not where we thought we'd be a week into it. We were very enthusiastic a week ago, a mere six days ago, last Thursday night, where we're talking, this team might be in the playoffs. They did some things over the summer. Stan Bowman made some pretty key acquisitions or so we thought. And now it is so grim, an 0-3 and 1 start booed out of their own building uh, last night and just four pretty uh, not great showings on the ice. What are we doing? Is it time to panic here? Can we get past this or is it freak out time? A quick yes and no, and then I want to come back to you each individually. Shawnee, are we panicking? Yes. Eric, are we panicking? Yes. Bard. No. No. And I am a yes as well. Bard, you're the one no of the group. Why aren't we panicking right now? This is bogus. This is so, so bad. They got yeah. Seth Jones. They got a bunch of guys. Why aren't they playing? 
Yeah. So it, it's to me, it's it's not time to panic because it is still early. It's four games, and you know this team has talent. And if you make the coaching change sooner rather than later, you have a chance to salvage the season. We've seen it the last couple of years, um, probably within the last decade. You've seen teams like the Blues, the Penguins, you know, go on cup runs. And I'm not saying that they are a cup team, but I'm just saying that it is possible to salvage the season if they bring in the right guy. Um, is that right guy Crawford? We, it's probably another conversation that we'll have. But quite frankly, I think it's still early. But if we're in this same spot, let's just say it's December or January, then it's, yeah, I mean, it's like, what are you waiting for? Or if it's November, I would say November is probably more of a panic time for me because it's still early. But for right now, I think we're only four games in. It's bad. I mean, if they build on, I guess, the two periods that they had against the Islanders on uh, over their next two games and maybe win one or maybe tie one and, and look okay, then okay, maybe there's, maybe it's not time to panic. Maybe they might be moving in the right direction. But if they lay a complete turd um, on on Thursday night or if in the next game against Detroit, we got problems. So I'm not panicking yet, but the the, the heat is rising. Gotcha. All right, I'm catching your frisbee. I, I I can feel that vibe. You know, I, I can respect that. Eric, you were one of the naysayers along with me and Shawnee. Time to panic. You said absolutely, or you didn't. You just said yes. Uh, but at any rate, why? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with a lot of what Andrew said there. I mean, I think if you're just looking at the context of, oh, it's four games, you know, yeah, it, it's very early and there's still 78 games left. You know, four bad games, you're probably going to have four bad games at some point during a season. It just so happens that it's right out of the gate, which is probably more concerning than if it's, you know, in January or something. But why I said yes is not even necessarily just because, you know, they're 0-3-1 right now. But to me, it's the fact that the team is even in this position. You know, I don't think, and I think it's clear at this point, I don't think that Jeremy Colleton is the guy to be behind the bench. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think the product on the ice the last four games has been very, very clear evidence of that point. Um you know, we were talking about it. We had a, a lively dialogue as the word that was used um, in one of the group chats oh. about what's the, you know, who or what is the problem with their start. And, you know, in my mind, it's Jeremy Colleton, you know, another name, of course, that gets thrown out as well. Stan Bowman, you know, hasn't put together the right roster. Well, I don't know what more you really realistically could have asked for him to do. He went out and got Colleton a number one defenseman, a bona fide starting goaltender, got, you know, a nice depth piece in Tyler Johnson, got an, a nice sandpaper guy in Jujar Kyra, got a pretty underrated defensive defenseman in Jake McCabe. You know, did he go out and acquire, you know, someone like a Josh Anderson, who is someone, you know, that, or a type of player that the Blackhawks, quite frankly, have been desperate to have for years. No, but how many of those guys are out there in general and how many of them can be had? Not if any. So, you know, I think realistically understanding, you know, there is a lot that this team needs and 
you know, needed over the summer and still needs at this point to get back to cup contention. You know, I think the fact that Colleton or pardon Stan Bowman, you know, recognized that made moves that he thought, you know, some of them are longer term moves like a Seth Jones and some of them, you know, like of Mark Andre Fleury are help meant to help them be competitive today. And, you know, I, I don't think there's too much more you could have asked for him. So the fact that he went out and got those pieces, you know, that are capable of helping this team win today and gave those pieces to Jeremy Colleton, you got to expect better than what we've seen so far. I mean, it's one thing to lose four competitive games. You know, if they were one goal games, even two goal games, and it was competitive, that's different. They haven't really been in any of these games. I mean, they were they were in the game against the Devils, sure, but that was a late last-minute comeback, you know, that probably is not going to happen very often. They've had terrible starts in three of the four games, and obviously it's well-documented, but five-on-five, five, they haven't been in any of the games up, up until the Islanders game. But even then, I mean, it was two good periods, and on the third period, they fell apart. Mm. So, you know, to me, it's not a matter of are the pieces right. I mean, I think there is a winning combination here, you know, mm-hmm. to some degree. I don't think they're a Stanley Cup team by any means. But are they a team that's capable of getting into the playoffs? Yes, I think they are. But I don't know what's going on, and I don't think they know what's going on. Mm-mm. So no. I I don't know. I mean, I think it's um, like Andrew said. I mean, if, if this goes on for another game or two, then it's really time to start panic. You know, panicking, and then some some things might seriously have to change pretty quickly. Um, four games. I don't know, might be a little bit soon, you know, to actually pull the plug on Colleton. I don't foresee them, you know, obviously they didn't fire him today, but um, yeah, I mean, another game or two and that, that heat gets turned up quite a bit on his seat for sure. Sounds good. Shawnee, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? So I worked with a guy who once said, one's a pattern, two's a trend, three, scrap the whole thing. This is now the fourth season in a row where Jeremy Colleton has been the coach, and they haven't won a game in at least four games. In 18-19, they lost eight in a row after he took over, only getting a loser point before they won. They got two loser points in that time frame. In 1920, they lost the first three games in a row, getting a loser point in game three before winning a game. Last year, they lost the first four games in a row, getting a loser point in game four. This isn't – it's a, It's the same thing over and over again. Like, when are, I'm tired of watching the same movie. Like, I'm tired – like, it, it's it's like a – like a, um, watching a bad movie. You know how it ends. Like, why keep watching it? Jeremy Carlton has had four years. They don't embrace his system. It's co- completely obvious. He's talking about forward three not coming back. Okay, statistically, yes. Yesterday was the best game they've played. But they still lost. They still gave up four goals or three goals in the third period. It's the longest time in Blackhawks history, the longest drought since, uh, yeah, longest time ever in franchise history without a lead. 240 minutes and 57 seconds without a lead. Like, what – the team is better than this. I, the common denominator over the last four seasons has been Jeremy Carlton. 
that yep. that's that that's the thing. It's Jeremy I mean, Carlton. And I think the previous record was set by, oh, by the way, a Jeremy Carlton coach team. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, these are correct. all facts. You can't yeah. walk away from this. This is what what drives me crazy. So I'm I I'm with you guys. I am panicking. And and not only like I Bart, I, I feel you, like maybe it's not time to panic, maybe November, December. If they make a change, then certainly it's not time to panic. Number one, I don't have confidence that the Hawks will make a change. Like I don't I don't think that they're actually no. gonna look in the mirror, see that. 100 level seats are being scalped right now for like $35, $40 because no one wants to go see them play after a summer where they were making headlines for awful reasons. And mm-hmm. now they have a bad product on the ice. So I, I'm not sure I have confidence they will make that change. So that's why I'm panicking. And here's what, I, here's what I said on the last. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, here's what I said on the last podcast. I mean, I think this is a playoff team, but where my biggest concern is, is the coaching. Yeah. Is Carlton, you know, developing a system whatever that is we don't know what it is but yeah. he doesn't have a system well, he's, people, he's smarter than everybody else in the room him and sam yeah. bowman are smarter than everybody else we just right. can't see it apparently mm-hmm. it's well, literally yeah. it's it's the ultimate arrogance yeah mm-hmm. now here's the deal when jeremy Collinson took over when they fired joel quenville the players were very upset they didn't like him early brent seabrook was kind of as outspoken as you can be in a hockey locker room about his mm-hmm. disappointment with his healthy scratches and it seemed like a lot of the vets were bummed out. Now, part of that was they all came up as kids through Joel Quenville. Like, we need to acknowledge that. They were very upset that Joel was gone. So we need to put that there. Here's what bothers me about all this talk about Jeremy Colleton's system. And as we're supposed to look at him as some sort of guru, what is his pedigree? What is his pedigree? This guy has one full season as a head coach in the AHL and then 12 games in the AHL. And then Joel Quenville was fired and they just handed him the keys. So when you hear about all these systems and all this methodical things behind the candelabra that Jeremy Colleton's got, he doesn't have the pedigree to boast that. No. And he doesn't doesn't have the knowledge and he doesn't have the background to say, wow, what this mythological coach that knows things that no one else can pick up. Well, I'll tell you who doesn't understand you are your players and you have some future Hall of Famers now on your roster and they're not playing for you. Like you do not inspire your hockey players is the bottom Mm -hmm. line. They are so uninspired. Patrick Kane's body language on the ice. I forgot who tweeted it. It might've been Al Samaglia, but Patrick Kane's body language in the last two games is dismal. Mm -hmm. I mean, they score a goal. He's barely celebrating anymore. This is the biggest rink rat you've ever seen. This kid, not kid anymore. He's in his thirties, but you know, he acts like a kid the way he plays. He celebrates all the time. When someone gets a goal, he's so happy for his teammates he looks disinterested right now in the game of hockey, which is his entire life. Um, and this is just, I, I think we're at a really critical point here. Um, AJ uh, Capolano just wrote in a question. AJ, we're thinking about you, man. Thanks for writing in. Here's a question for you guys. When have you seen the Blackhawks play a full 60 minutes under Colleton in his three plus years? Now, I had to think about that when I first saw the question. The only time I could think about it was game one of the play-in game. Play-in game, not playoff game. Play-in series against the Edmonton Oilers. Against the Oilers, they came out firing on all cylinders, and they had that was probably the best game of hockey that they've played under his tenure that I can think of right now. There's probably others, but um, no, I mean you just it, it's it's when you come out for a hockey game and it looks like the guys don't even want to be there, then it is about coaching. Mm-hmm. I mean they they just they, they look completely out of sorts. Um, it's hard to find, you know, any sort of you know, uh, bright spots right now. Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc's mm-hmm. a, a hockey player. 
He's here to stay. And he um, he assisted on Antwizzle's goal, so they were in yeah. the same. They were on the same line. There you go. I mean, uh, Jonathan Taves is at a point in his career right now where he can't just will the team back into contention, and it's not on him. Um, we might want to talk about Johnny in a little bit too, because um, you know, I his best hockey days look behind him. He doesn't look his best. Um, so yeah, I'm panicking just because it's like, I don't know. I mean, six days ago we were so fired up about all of this. And it's just this, where do we go from here? So I, I guess we'll, you know, and Shawnee, I'm going to start with you. We, we kind of went to, you know, the coaching change we feel like is an obvious fix. But are there any other areas on the ice where we feel like this can be fixed? I mean, so, line combos are all over the place. Yeah, and they've got a – so what they've done in years past when Colleton's system has failed them, they've abandoned it. Yeah. And I think we're at that point again where we have to abandon his – man-to-man, like 1v1 defense and play something s- similar to what they were playing before. And you've got to, like, I think that's the, the big schematic thing they got to do. They also got to get healthy on the blue line. I think that's mm-hmm. going to help. I think Caleb Jones coming back and um, I can't think Kalanuk. of Cal Kalanuk come back will help the blue line. Um we've got to figure out a way to block shots, like stop giving up so many shots. That's been another trend that it started before Colleton, but it's gotten worse under Colleton. They're statistically like one of the worst team. I think last year they were the worst team tied with the Buffalo Sabres giving up shots per game. If not, they're in the bottom. They were 29th. So we've got to find a way to stop giving up shots. They've got to win faceoffs. Um, Doc was good from the dot, but Borgie wasn't good at all. Uh, after Eric sent that, uh, we were tweeting or texting, and Eric was saying, hey, Borgie had a good shift, and I was all fired up because I want Borgie to be good. And then I had to do something else, came back, and saw he was 0 for 5 at the faceoff dot. Like, you can't have that. You no. can't, if he's not winning faceoffs, don't put him in the dot anymore. Like, that's – you got to do that. I, those are just some things I think. And ultimately it comes down to – Somebody else needs to run a different system, whether it's Mark Crawford, whether it's somebody else, you've got to get another, you've got to have another prominent voice in the room. And I think that's the biggest change they can do and make it better on the ice. Yeah. Eric, if you kept Colleton around, can you fix the damage right now? Is there any way that Colleton can stick around and actually fix this club? Um, I mean, I don't think so, but what I would like to see done, regardless of who is behind the bench um, it seems like it's been a bad habit of Blackhawks coaches in recent memory, whether that be Quenville or Colleton, is once that line blender comes out, it doesn't stop. And, you know, I understand there's certainly a time and a place for switching things up. Mm-hmm. But when you're switching lines every week, every game, every period, how are you supposed to have any sort of cohesion within the group? No one knows who they're playing with the next shift. They, you know, they, there's no way of building on that. So, I mean, I would like to see them, you know, obviously it's, it's fine to tinker with things, you know, try different lines in this game, then try a different line in this game and then that. But at some point you got to make a decision and at least give them a week or two weeks to see if those things work. Because if you just keep changing things just to change things because what you were doing wasn't working for the last five minutes – well, why would the next five minutes be any better when you're just right. going to change it again in another five minutes? Yeah. So I guess I would like to see a little bit of consistency 
I mean, I, I understand the time to win is always now, but I don't know how you can really do that when you're not really giving them much of a chance to form any sort of chemistry. Um, another thing, I mean, I think we'll probably all be in agreement here. And this, I mean, in the grand scheme of things really isn't the end of the world or the biggest problem they have, but Eric Gustafson provides nothing <laughs> for this hockey team. God. I would much rather they're playing Ian Mitchell for those minutes because at yeah. least if Ian Mitchell makes the boneheaded decision to leave the front of the net wide open when you have two guys behind the net, yeah. at yeah. least you would hope that Ian Mitchell still has the ability to learn from that mistake. Yeah, Eric Gustafson will never learn about defensive oh. anything at this point. There yeah, is no benefit. That ship has sailed, and you, you, you there's so, no justifying playing an Eric Gustafson when you've got Bo Dan sitting around waiting to play. That that's what I mm -hmm. can't like. You cannot sit there and tell me that Bo Dan is a is not a better option than Eric Gustafson right now. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, that, that's just pathetic to me, and that's and and I don't want to hear about this. Well, he kind of fell out of favor with Colleton. That's nonsense. That's just absolute rubbish. Um, Everybody, yeah. the whole fan base is falling out of favor with Colleton, or I should yeah. say the other way around. Right. Yeah. Bard, I mean, what do you know? Is there any way to fix this without a coaching change? I mean, I think we kind of all agreed that that's something that might need to happen, but what's your take? Yeah. I, I agree with everything you guys said. And, you know, what's really fascinating is, you know, we, this, the story of the, um, of, of the Buffalo Sabres, um, which is, interesting because a good friend of mine is a, is a fan of the Sabres and, and he's watched the games and I actually watched one of their games and what they do out there is just so simple and so clean. It's not forced, you know, and it starts with their D just, you know, exiting the zone with a simple pass and just skating it out. And, you know, if it's not there, dump it in or, you know what, check back to your, it's almost like the, the defensemen are acting like point guards almost. And it's like in a weird way, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a half-court offense, if you will, if you want to use another sport as an analogy. And it, it's just interesting to watch it, and it's just so damn organized, and, and yeah. it's it's scary. And to me, it's like, well, Don Granato was actually on this staff for a while, and, and quite frankly, it's like, wow, they may have found something there. And look, I know, you know he had them playing actually much better last year. Now they don't have Eichel, and, and you know, they, they've lost a bunch of other players in trades right. and free agency, but – they're actually playing within a system. And it's amazing what that what coaching does for yeah. a team. So I hate to harp on the coaching, but you know, that's that's really the biggest thing for me because these players look disinterested. You know, maybe yeah. stands for some of the younger guys, but quite frankly, these these players look like they're just going through the motions. There's really no emotion on this team. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. And I so we we had we had someone just write in right now that you know, with a, with a with a few different comments and then a little bit of a knock on a Mark Andre Fleury um, that the Blackhawks overpaid for Mark Andre Fleury. Um, I'm not really sure exactly what they what that means. They got him for free, and um, they have him for one year at at six million dollars. Uh, so that's not not a huge commitment. And Mark Andre Fleury did not has not looked sharp in his first two starts. Fine, but if if we're gonna sit here and just uh, you know you know pin it on. Uh, Pin it on goaltending. I, I think we're missing a, a bigger picture item here. And then we have a very good friend of ours who just wrote in and commented on, hey, how about some more Dylan Strom? Maybe that'll just uh, cure everything. Thank you very much. I, 
I didn't realize uh, Ben Pope <laughs> listened to our podcast. Yeah, uh, Ben Pope just wrote an article, but I will clarify this by saying Ben Pope is a very good writer. He's terrific. Uh, he is worth a follow. He's been covering the Hawks for a few years right now, and he's very, very good. He did have a column today uh, about inserting Dylan Strome, and hopefully that will change the fortunes of the team. Um, sure, maybe adding Dylan Strome will uh, do nothing, but um, I guess where I'm at with that is that, you know, Hawk fans, if that's where we are right now, where it's, uh, hey, you know, I got an idea. Maybe if we throw Strome in there, it'll change the team. Uh, when we thought rock bottom was last year or the year before, uh, that that's that's pretty low. Uh, Dylan Strom, I think, is not not the answer for these woes. Uh, and I, I think Dylan Strom is a guy who has fallen out of Jeremy Colleton's favor. Like we saw it last year during yeah. that, that you had a must win against Nashville and they benched him. Like, right. And he was yeah. one of your top three faceoff guys in an area that they weren't very good in to begin with. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, for the naysayers that, you know, or for the people that are saying, oh, maybe we should throw him out there and just see what happens. Fine. At this point, be my guest, because uh, uh, <laughs> whatever, but prepare to be uh, to be very disappointed. Um, if that's if if any of you out there are hoping that um, that inserting Dylan Strom into the lineup is just going to have some sort of magic potion and everyone's going to wake up and be like, God, we're so fired up. Strom is back and now we're going to really start playing. Pardon me, Dylan. I'm sure you're a great guy. So, um, so, okay, so we're all kind of agreeing, you know, Colleton might, it, it's probably his time. You know, he was given, you know, he's given a, a, an equal to tenure. I think Ray was tweeting to, or a, or a longer leash almost than, uh, than what Dennis Savard was given um, as a head coach when, when Dennis Savard, uh, you know, was a, rather abruptly terminated when the Hawks were not doing that poorly. They just figured, well, if Joe Quenville is available, well, uh, maybe, that, maybe that's the better move right and, now. And Quinville was a scout in the org. They hired Quinville the year before right. as a scout in the organization. Like exactly. they were just looking for a reason to fire. Yeah, so they, they, they knew what they were doing. I, I think that the, the case here is, and, and we got a really good question uh, from Jackie Davis here, who's a, who's a frequent flyer and a dedicated listener of the ring cast. But the question was more, if Colleton is fired, what are the options? Like, what, where do they go from there? We've thrown out some ideas, some Mark Crawford possibilities. Eric, where are you on this whole thing? I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> the, I think the problem is, you know, like Sean and, you know, like we've been establishing, you know, in our group chat and everything, you know, when Quenville was brought in behind the bench that was kind of the plan he was already in the organization that was kind of the writing on the wall is one day he was going to be the head coach of the blackhawks whenever that might end up being as far as i'm concerned they do not have anyone in the organization that really warrants that position i mean okay maybe you do crawford but i mean you know in my mind promoting someone that's on the bench right now doesn't change anything because right. it's the same voice. You right. know, it, it's the same thing. You're not having, you know, Mark Crawford trying to undermine Jeremy Colleton and be like, no guys, you should actually be doing this. Don't listen to him. That's not what's happening. He's preaching the same things that Colleton is preaching. They're working together. They're on the same coaching staff. It's going to be the same sure. thing. Now, obviously Possibly. if Colleton, if Colleton was fired, then yeah, Crawford would change some things and stuff, but still 
there's, you know, the mentality and how the, how the players would view him, they've been hearing all these things from him this whole time. So now if he just starts saying something different, you know, I don't know how effective that's really going to be. Now, I mean, I guess you could bring up someone like a Derek King, see if that works. That'll probably appeal to some of the younger guys a little bit, you know, try to give them some familiarity, having played for him. Um, again, I, I just, I don't, I don't know how effective that would really be. So, you know, in my mind, especially if you were trying to salvage this season, which I think if they were to fire Colleton, I think that would probably be one of the biggest priorities would be salvaging the season. I don't know where you really go. I mean, I think it, w- it obviously would have to be a coach, a former coach that doesn't have a job right now. Um, you know, and obviously there are some names out there, but I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know. Nothing, there's not really a good solution in my mind. And frankly, I'm of the belief I don't see Colleton going anywhere anytime soon unless this turns into, you know, they haven't won a single game after 10 or 15 or 20 games. Yeah. If it gets to that point, then yeah, he's gone. But I don't see him leaving short of that. Yeah. And that, and Eric, I, I understand your point about Mark Crawford. And I, you know, I, and I don't want to quibble with you on that point. And, and you perhaps could be right that it's just a similar voice. But not too long ago, the St. Louis Blues fired Mike Yao and their associate coach, Craig Berube, takes over and they go on and they're hoisting the Stanley Cup. So, you know, that clearly, you know, I don't know where where Mark Crawford is philosophically and if he's aligned with uh, he probably respects the head coach's decisions and that's what he's hired to do um, but I, I don't know if I'm totally sold on the idea that he would just be a similar voice um, mm-hmm. yeah yeah I I see what you're saying I think yeah I mean it's hard to say exactly in this context what his you know coaching philosophy would be with this group um, you know going back to your point about about Mike Yo and Craig Berube I mean I think it was pretty apparent those are two pretty different coaching styles there. You know, and I think it was evident that Barube was kind of what that group in St. Louis really needed. You know, it was kind of that stronger presence, you know, whereas I always just think of Mike Yo as just like a guy. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that, but yeah, I mean, it, we don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't be right. opposed to Mark Crawford becoming interim or just the outright head coach but i've just that just be like okay yeah and maybe yeah and maybe mike yo was just a guy i i I don't necessarily jeremy colleton doesn't isn't exactly radiant with charisma (laughs) um, necessarily um but anyway bardo what do you think coaching change and if they do it where do they go from there I mean, the thing was the thing is with Crawford is that obviously he's experienced. He's won a cup. I mean, I liked him early in his career. I thought he's a guy that, you know, I was hoping that the Blackhawks could get him um, down the road. But, you know, what's interesting now is that, you know, we know the Hawks aren't really good um, in the PR department from the standpoint of, you know, um, you know, things, issues that I guess that people have had. You know, we all know the Aldridge situation, but, you know, Crawford has had some history with the abuse stuff and he had to apologize. I don't remember if he was suspended or anything like that, but he had, he was to, he stepped away for a few days. Yeah. It was like three or four games. I, think I remember he was, he was gone for a few days, but yeah. he was, you know, he certainly, you know, apologized for the situation. Is that somebody that they want leading the organization where there is already this kind of like dark cloud yeah. over it? I mean, Great that call. to me is something to think about. 
as far as outside, I mean, I don't think they're going to go for a Derek King because, you know, it's almost like, okay, we're going to get another inexperienced coach. I feel like if they are going to make the move, they're going to have to have somebody find somebody that's experienced. I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Tortorella is a fit. You know, I know he's doing the broadcast stuff, but I, I think, you know, since he coached uh, Seth Jones already, I just don't see that. I wouldn't want him anyway. I think he's got a short shelf life. Um, I'm not a big Babcock fan. I think he's a little bit overrated. I know he's coaching in college, but I know there's possibilities off season there. I don't like Boudreaux. I think it's he's kind of an older Jeremy Colleton. He's an all offense, no defense guy. Who's left? I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, I mean it's I don't know who's out there right now who's not coaching. I mean, Kirk Muller got scooped up. He's a good one. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've even thought about a guy like Dan Blisma, who's now, you know, coaching in the AHL, but he's had a pretty good resume and was kind of a player's coach. Um, you know, he's someone I'm curious about. Shawnee, what's your take? Uh, if they would you be up for Crawford in an interim role if uh, if they weren't able to, you know, pick, scoop up someone? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, so I think Crawford, like uh, Andy said, not to quibble with what Eric said, but I think Crawford is probably schematically going to be different than um, Jeremy Carlton. He was also hired to be the veteran voice on this team, like veteran coach. So he was kind of there to guide Carlton through things. So I think Crawford would be a different voice. I mean, if if you really want to go outside the box, you just got to change the scheme. It doesn't matter who the head coach is, really. If Colleton's going to be the head guy, you don't want him to be the head guy, get rid of him. Make Sheldon Brookbank the head coach. And then just let Crawford run the system. Who cares at this point? They've got to change their system. Um, No, they have to implement a system. That too. I mean, I don't – you know, if if I – if Colleton's gone at some point and it's an interim or it's Crawford, I mean, I, there are more appealing candidates or there will be more appealing candidates. If in you the off season, open, open up a search in the off season. I mean, the one that the one guy I would love for the Hawks to take a run at is uh, Lane Lambert um, is a name that I've, that, that always gets tossed mm-hmm. around as the next up and coming big head coach. He's uh, you know, been, he's been with trots through Nashville, through Washington, and is now with him in the Islanders. And a lot of people are saying maybe this is the next big head coach in the NHL. And to have someone like that, who's as seasoned as he is, or someone of that pedigree, um, you know, who's been kind of waiting in the wings and, and doing their homework and getting a lot of valuable experience. I think that that would be very exciting, not a recycled, like a Bruce Boudreaux or a Yao or anything like that. You know, I, I don't think that that would be the next move, but I mean, it, it's time to start critically thinking about this. And that's, uh, I think based on what they're going. So I think they are going to go with a retread just because they tried to go outside the box with Colleton, mm-hmm. like who would only right. coach in the Swedish elite league. And then they basically pumped him up and gave him fringe NHL players at the AHL level to go far in the playoffs. So I think it's going to be a name. I don't think they're going to go with a name this season because a, it's going to cost the words no. more money. So they're not going to do that. They'll just promote Mark Crawford and give him a raise. But in the offseason, I think they're going to go with uh, whether it's a John Stevens or a Bruce Boudreau, um, somebody like that. I don't think Babcock, I don't, Bilesma, I think is not an option, but somebody like that. They may even look at Mike Yo, which is terrible, but they're going to look for somebody with a veteran, like they need a veteran coach for this group. Uh, and Carlton's not 
Carlton's not that fit. Crawford brings pedigree. He could say, okay, ever he could say when he takes over the locker room this year, okay, everything we were doing, forget about it. This is how we're going forward. They're going to trust him because he's won a Stanley Cup before as a head coach. If it's if they brought in Derek King, I think that's a mistake. But I think yeah. it's going. To, I also think it's going to be like a retread, some veteran coach who the players can get behind. You know, it's a name. It's safe. It appeases the fan base and so on and so forth. Right. I think if it gets to the offseason, the interesting thing will be actually who is picking the coach. Is it Bowman? I think it. Is I it, think Bowman's got like pictures on the Words family or something. I, he I, he I, does I, too. He's got blackmail evidence or something. I don't think he can mm-hmm. do anything to not get fired. The only way he gets fired is something soldiers say. Start the rumor mill. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna. This is they're in a really. This is just not a good place to be. I mean, it's just uh, we can spin circles and. And, and try to find the right answers to this. Nobody really knows. And I guess that goes to one question that uh, Sam Myers uh, wrote in on Facebook, and that's just how hot is the hot seat for Colleton? And we really just don't know. Um, you know, as, as fans right now, we can speculate all we want. We can watch the product and go, yeah, he's got to be done. He's That's got to be it. But unfortunately, we're not the ones making the decisions. Um, if the 18,000 or whoever, however many were there, Last night, if it was up to them, as you can tell by his introduction when they did team intros, uh, that seat is really, really hot. Um, But, you know, so, you know, and then I so it's hard to tell. But, Sam, the other question that he asked was, you know, what could they get in a trade right now for Dylan Strom? And um, a very good question that I I guess we can kind of go around the rink. Yeah, that water bottle looks really good. I mean, we have thrown out ideas as far as returns for Dylan Strom that go as far as a gift card to Applebee's, um, which is a very underrated restaurant. 99 steakhouses are also good. Um, Maybe a used puck bag is also possible. Uh, Stuffing for goalie pads, things of that nature um, would be pretty good returns for Strom. But in reality, what are you going to get for Strom? You will get, at best, a very, very low draft pick, would be my guess. And any other thoughts from the peanut gallery? Eric, Strom? Value trade. Well, I mean, this is first line center Dylan Strom we're talking about here. The savior. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got to fetch you at least a first rounder, you know, maybe an established superstar, someone like that. I mean, no, I mean, he's he can't even crack a winless lineup right now. I mean, what I don't know what people are expecting here. I mean, I think if you get a mid round pick or a mid-level prospect, I think that's a win. I mean, look look at it this way. If you're Mm -hmm. trading him and you get anything that is moving your organization forward or giving you some value, is that not better than what he's providing for you right now? Yeah. So All he's doing is eating shrimp in the press box right now. I mean, I don't know. The shrimp in the press box is probably pretty good. We actually talked about that last year, him eating shrimp in the press box. (laughs) Yeah. Larry Brooks actually said, I think uh, he wrote today that the Rangers may or, or already have inquired about him because they, they're a little bit banged up up front. And, sure. Um, I, I, Kako's out, and, and I think his brother is hurt too. Mm-hmm. So right. that's a possibility for them to get somebody who's a center who can just temporarily fill in, but you know, also give them a little bit of depth. Yeah. Yep. That's good. Well, yeah, I'd love to. They're going to get a fifth rounder for. I'm trying. Who? I can't remember off the top of my Who was the guy that the Blackhawks got from the Red Wings um, for like a third or fourth? 
What's up? Was it Perlini? No, no. Uh, it was before Perlini. He ended up winning the uh, Calder Championship with the Charlotte Checkers. Oh, Thomas Jerko. Yes, that's the equivalent of the guy we're going to get back. Yeah, I don't, even, equi- I don't. I don't even think you could get a Thomas Jerko for Dylan Strong. I mean, I don't. Jerko is an, It's a fringe NHL guy, AHL guy. That's yeah. what he is. So I almost went Dylan down the Boris Miranov. Um, oh rabbit, God. But. <laughs> Did we get him from the Red Wings for uh, Chelios? Might have. Yeah. I was trying to think of who that East. Boris Miranov, is that what you said? Yeah. I thought Boris Miranov was a trade to Edmonton. He was an oiler before he was. was, he was an oiler? Oh, God. I think he was in some sort of deal with Ethan Moreau, I believe, was Ethan Moreau was sent to the Oilers and Boris Miranov was in return. It was like a three player swap or something. We'll have to look at Dr. Moreau's Island over there. I can't remember who they got for Chelios. It was, I feel like it was a Russian defenseman or something. But I'm sorry. I've took the hey, conversation. It's a completely that's a, different. No, that's fine. I, I guess the bottom line is Dylan Strom. It's a great question. And, um, you know, Mr. Myers, thanks for the question. But I, I think, I mean, get what you can for Dylan Strom right now because you're not going to play him anymore. So listen to all offers. And the first one that you feel that itch to bite on, you know, if you're just saying, okay, yeah, sure, sign off on it and, you know, get whatever you can. Or, or, yeah, the, just, less, the less salary you eat, the better. That's less what I salary say. you eat, the better. Yeah, and just yeah, and it. give let the guy go. Like at yeah. this point, just he's not going to play here. Like it's I'm gonna gonna, three million dollars to to eat shrimp in the press box. I mean, just get rid of his salary, and then just think about that if you need to make a trade or pick anyone else. Take up. A, take on an equally as bad contract with right. the same length, and maybe yeah. you find the guy. Maybe you find somebody useful. It's like when. Uh, Toronto and uh, Columbus traded Nathan Horton for David Clarkson, I believe it was. They were both equally as bad contracts as Clarkson could play, and Horton was never going to play again. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I think the last you know kind of topic I, w- I want to touch base on, um, you know, before we declare victory or a loss for the day, considering just how grim uh, these conversations about the Hawks have been lately, but. You know, if you look at the tickets right now, or if you looked at the tickets for the home opener for the Chicago Blackhawks this year, and you went on scalping sites half an hour before the game, um, it's remarkable how cheap you could have gone um, and and enjoyed some hockey. Now, I don't know if the United Center restrictions and COVID rules played a role in that. I, I don't believe so, because uh, it looked like there were plenty of unmasked people in the building last night. Um, Supposedly, you're supposed to, according to... Uh... Uh, villain or foe or friend of the rink cast. Uh, Mark Lazarus tweeted that the Chicago policy is you're supposed to show either a negative COVID test or proof of vaccination to wear a right. mask the entire time in the building. And the right. cameras were only showing fans with masks on sure. in the arena. So, sure. so but there I mean, was I a lot of unmasked people there. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And I mean, I don't, you know, I went to a Bruins playoff game last year and I was, my son and I were like the only ones with masks on. Um, but so I, I guess, but I, I don't, I don't speculate. That's the reason that the tickets are so available. I actually think that right now it's people aren't coming to see the Chicago Blackhawks. I think a lot of that is the summer. I think a lot of that is a start. And um, I mean, are we, is this going to, are we just going to see an empty building in a post COVID organization that probably needs this revenue badly? I mean, are, are we? Just, is it going to just file out pretty soon? Would you guys pay to watch this? So, um, I'll go to I Sean first. Sorry, Johnny. Uh, no, that's okay. I'll go. I'll go. Um, <laughs> so, my wife and I are usually are big sports people, so we like to go to events. 
So we, if tickets are cheap and we can sit in a 200 or the hundred level, we probably yeah. will go just for the experience to go out. Cause we haven't been to a, we haven't like Hawks game in like two or three years. So we'll probably go for that experience, you know, to be out, but we're not going to go even on like some of the tougher years, at the end of the Quinville era, we went to four or five games and I don't think, I, we would go to more than one game this season. Right. This, this is the product that's going to be on the ice. It, it yeah. would be like a night out, and that would be it. Other than that, I think it's – and somebody pointed out that a lot of seats are bought by corporations, like for corporate yep. functions and yep. stuff like that. And if the – I don't know if that's because COVID's – because travel's down or because, like, if it's not an event for people to be at, why would you take your customer there as opposed to taking them out to eat? Right. Or watching the baseball playoffs on TV, or uh, the other resident of the United Center, the Bulls, who are supposed to be really, really good this year. Yeah, Why wouldn't you go to that? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, Bardo, is that where you're at right now? I mean, what do you? I mean, do you see the United Center being half full the rest of this year? I mean, they're in pretty bad shape. I think it could get there. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I would pay to go. You know, I wouldn't pay top dollar, but I would pay to go because I'm just loyal to my teams and I've seen the worst. Um, you know, regardless, I mean, when they come, well, when they come to New York, you know, I've seen them play the Islanders and the Rangers when they absolutely sucked in, in like the nineties. So, um, you know, it's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sick freak like that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would pay to watch hey, them. The, but... the, the, let's not talk about your freakiness on the podcast. <laughs> all right. You already but, stayed at a holiday Inn before we don't know what yes. you did there. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I absolutely, I, I would pay, but quite frankly, I know what's going to happen. I mean, I know what the fan base is going to see. The product on the ice is not going to be good. This is going to be like, well, we're back to the dark ages again. And, you know, I, I think if it continues to spiral down the drain, I think we're going to see an empty building. I wouldn't be surprised if we started to see it even on, on Thursday night. So, yeah. Eric, what do you think, man? Do you pay for this? And, and do you really, I mean, do you, are we just seeing kind of, this is going to be – we're going to end up mid-season here being circa 2003, 2004, where you can't give your tickets away? Yeah, I mean, I, I think my answer would be very similar to Andrew's. Um, I mean, growing up as a kid in the Chicago suburbs, my dad and I, um, you know, in that 2003 to 2006, seven range, I mean, there were some seasons we would go almost every week because we could literally get in the building for less than the parking costs. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we would go frequently because it was dirt cheap. The hockey mm -hmm. was terrible, but it was still a good time. And, you and know, they weren't on a, TV. yeah, well that too, but still weren't on TV at that point. Yeah. True. True. And, um, you know, that was still a fun time, even though, you know, you were disappointed going home every night, right. but you know, I mean, to answer the question now um yeah i mean i would i would buy a 15 dollar ticket you know to go see kane and taves play and you know whoever they're playing against you know maybe you pay 25 30 bucks to see the oilers when they roll into town but yep. you know you're if you're buying a ticket with the hope of seeing them win a game you're probably wasting your money and your time right um yeah well know, i mean we'll, yeah we're, we are going to see an aggressive push now for additional heritage nights now that they're, sure. yeah. now that they're 0 3 and 1. I mean, they're going to bring back all the golden smoothies to honor them, to try to sell tickets, be like, oh, let's 
go watch a see Ben Eager sixty-five year old guy try to stand up on his skates. <laughs> it's just, just in Reno Van Ork's night next week. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. I'll pay fifteen bucks to see that guy one more time. You know, I I, mean, I, I, I did. <laughs> During the dark days, guys, uh, I used yeah. my high school ID to get a fifteen dollar ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, too. You just had to show your high school ID. You got right. a fifteen dollar, three hundred level seat. It's pretty awesome. I guess, I, and I guess where I'm going with this is, is my frustrations right now are the organization's failures to recognize what the optics are on them. I mean, the 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 optics on the Chicago Blackhawks right now could not be worse after the summer that they had and being in the public eye for negative reasons after this kind of start, after a fan base now that is a little jaded, um, you know, for losing, number one, you know, what happened in the offseason. And now this kind of start, um, I just, it, it, it's very frustrating to go through 2010, 2013, 2015, and just see this being on, on top of the mountain, thinking when we're all growing up that we would never be there. And then to watch this decline and this demise and, and, and to see it and to view an organization that honestly, it just doesn't, it, it's hard to tell how much they care. Well, um, you don't look at the organizational priorities is what it comes down yeah. to. Their priority is filling the seats and it's right. marketing and it's that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. it's, it's almost like this one goal thing that they had for so long. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was a vision at least, and it was to get to, you know, and win the Stanley cup, which they did, but three times, but um it, but now it, it just sort of like fizzled into like a marketing thing. It's now it's like one goal is to fill the building up. It's no longer about winning. And they're about, failing at that. Let, and that's failing the in thing. That. They're failing at filling but the building. Right. And that's apparently what it's going to take. And when people are not there, that's what it's going to take. But the problem is also is that you're also going to get these situations where like last night I, I or it was last night's game. I think they said there was maybe a couple of thousand seats that were empty but it was still considered a sellout. So how do they look at that? Because tickets were pre-bought by corporations. I understand that. No, I understand that, the mechanics of it. I'm just saying, like, are they looking at it because they sold the tickets? Is that a win for them? Probably yes. Yes. But is also a win that, is is it like, okay, oh, well, that people didn't show up because of whatever. Like, what is it? Is, is that like an optics thing that they actually care about? I don't know what the answer is. But yeah, I think once the lower bowl, if the lower bowl becomes empty, that's that's rock bottom and you see it on tv right right and this team like we talked about was built to made the playoffs and built to get people back in the building like they weren't rebuilding this year in name or state like they were going to be competitive that's what we all thought and that's why we're excited about it that's why we thought after this that's why this start is just so detrimental to their overall plan of making money it's mm-hmm. so detrimental to it. Yeah, this could this could go further south in a hurry. I mean, I don't. Um, yeah, and just and just like we've been talking about, I mean, it's just so. It's just very discouraging the way that it started. Uh, you know, the kind of uh, malaise that they seem like they're in when they're on the ice. I mean, you see Doc and Debrinket buzzing around, and then other than that, it just seems, you know, like it's just not there right now. Um, some just very uninspired hockey players, which is too bad because a lot of them actually have a pretty decent amount of talent. Um, and, and to be in this position is, is totally a drag, but you know what? A week from now, maybe we're talking cup, man. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) last week we were all, you know, we're all optimistic this week. We're depressed. Who knows what next week is going to bring. 
any final thoughts, any final topics from you guys? Um, thank you to all the, all the listeners that have posted questions, um, either on Facebook or Twitter or on, on this chat. It's been great. And, uh, but any final thoughts from the peanut gallery, things that you want to mention? I, we blow dodge. Can I throw out a question? Please do Bardo. What happens first? Dylan Strom gets traded or Jeremy Colleton gets fired. Dylan Strom gets traded. Strom. Strom. Mm, yeah, okay. it's Stan. It's Stan Bowman's never. It's not going to fire Jeremy Colleton until like he gets the edict down from the Words family because Stan Bowman is so arrogant in that his decision. He will stand behind his decision no matter what. It's arrogance. That's all it is. They're smarter than everybody else. Yep. See if they get their doors blown off the next two games at home against Vancouver and Detroit. Right. The same Stan Bowman that in 2017 got in front of a microphone after having the best record in the West and being swept and saying, this is completely unacceptable as an organization and demand a call to arms for everyone to be better. Well, unfortunately, Stan, now it's the norm uh, and actually less than the norm. You don't even make the playoffs. So I don't know where you get off and who you think you are, but it ain't working, man. Um, well, that's what we got tonight, folks. Any other thoughts, Eric, Sean? Um, I mean, one more thing about the Bowman Colleton thing. I mean, one big reason why I don't see Stan firing Colleton anytime soon is he kind of, in a way, brought Colleton behind the bench to kind of save his job the first time around. So, in a way, like his his fortune at this point is somewhat tied to Colleton and what happens there. You know, if you go out and you hire your guy and that guy falls on his face year after year after year and you fire him, I mean, yeah, you're admitting your mistake, but that's still, you know, very clearly your fault. You know, you hired the wrong guy. If you're acknowledging that you hired the wrong guy. Yeah. But I, I just think the organization has given Stan Bowman so many get out of jail free cards and they can give him the whole, it could be the whole, yeah, but look what he did all summer to make it better. And Jeremy still couldn't do it. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like that's the lifeline they'll fall back on for him. Yeah. They set him I don't up for success and he's, he's drowned. Yeah. yeah. I don't, and I don't they, think either of them are going anywhere. Yeah. Colleton or the reason Jeremy or Jeremy Colleton got the job ultimately is because Stan Bowman asserted his power over the organization. Joe Quinville had too much power and there was a power struggle and Stan Bowman goes, Nope, I'm in charge. This is my organization. This is my guy. And yeah. that's, that's why Quinville was cast aside and ultimately now he's winning games down in Florida and we're not any better. So that's my thought on it. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I wanted to say uh, the Rockford ice Hawks are playing this weekend against the Iowa wild. Um, awesome. They're, they're one and one. Uh, Cal Morris, uh, we wrote an article. Cal Morris was loaned out from the Rockford Ice Hogs, the Indy Fuel, joining Ooh. Division Three legend Tom Auburn, I believe it is. Not Auburn, Auburn. I got it wrong like all last year. And the, the Blackhawks are currently rolling with three goalies uh, Arvid Soderbloom, um, and then Colin Delia and Malcolm Suvan. And much to Andy's delight and Gates. Maybe uh, just the grin. Um, Delia doesn't look like he's going to play. So until um, he gets traded out of the organization, he's probably not going to play. Which is I, sad. I, I mean, prior to Dylan Strome being mentioned today, 
as the savior. I mean, up until then, it was Colin Delia. I mean, <laughs> right. I don't, the Hawks were, you know, I just, boy. He was our Harvey Dent, our one white knight. He was it, man. He was the guy. <laughs> Darkest before the dawn. Yeah, he was the guy. All right, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. On behalf of myself, the Bard, Eric Andrews, and Shawnee Fitzgerald, uh, please be sure uh, to join us again. We'll probably be doing this on a weekly basis. Um, love that you're joining us and talking to Blackhawk Hockey. Hey, and if you're interested in some gear one last time, www.puckhockey.com. If you want rink gear, use discount code the ring for 10% off. 100 bucks it's a free t-shirt make sure you check out all the gear and all the swag go to the rink.com for all the best hockey analysis in the land take care everybody have a great night go hawks let's see if next week brings something different take care